Hello, I'm Scott Green, an assistant chief constable here in Staffordshire Police. Thanks for downloading this episode of The Beat Podcast, a discussion focusing on police and crime prevention in Staffordshire. To learn more about the topics discussed in this podcast, please visit the Staffordshire Police website or get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Alternatively, you can contact us by email at thebeatpodcast at staffordshire.pnn.police.uk. There'll be opportunities for you to get involved and ask questions, but please remember that our inboxes are not constantly monitored and that the Beat Podcast is not a suitable place to report information about crime or safety concerns. As always, you can do that by calling 999 or 101 or contacting us via our digital channels and social media. Hello, Staffordshire Police. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Beat Podcast by Staffordshire Police. I'm Tom Bushell and for today's episode we're focusing on an unsolved murder case that has spanned half a century. The date is the 27th of March 1971. T-Rex were at number one with Hot Love. Michael Caine's gangster movie Get Carter had just been released at the cinema and Dennis Smith and John Ritchie were scoring for Stoke in an FA Cup semi-final draw against Arsenal at Hillsborough. It's a day that also marks the start of one of the most baffling murder cases in British history, one that's remained unsolved until this day. I'm talking of the mystery of Fred, whose body was discovered by an off-duty special constable in a shallow grave beside the River Trent in Burton 50 years ago. Today, I'm joined by Detective Chief Inspector Dan Ison, who's leading on the case. Dan, thanks for joining me today. Can we firstly talk about Fred's discovery? How and where was he found? Yeah, thanks, Tom. Um, Fred was discovered um, in 1971, as you say, by a dog walker, and he was on um, a site which is known as the Old Flint Mill, which is just across uh, the River Trent off Newton Road in Burton of Trent. Um, the dog walker at the time, it was early evening, um, and he looked down on the ground and he noticed what he described as like a white saucer. Um, upon being intrigued and curiosity got the better of him, he dug away and soon found out that that actually was a skull of a human. And that's when he notified um, local authorities and we discovered Fred. I suppose it will just say at this point, and I say this quite often, um, he's respectfully known as Fred because obviously Fred is an unidentified person. Um, a local author wrote a book some years ago around the discovery of, um, of Fred. And, and so he's affectionately named as Fred. Um, but of course, we do not know who he is and he's unidentified at this time. Can you talk to me about how this investigation started all all those years ago? Obviously, you didn't pick this up 50 years ago. You, you've picked this up in 2017. But how did the initial investigation fall out? So the original senior investigating officer was um, the late Peter Huff, who was a local man. Um, he was in charge of the investigation from the start and, and um, certainly was in charge of that investigation for a good few years. Um, but it was something that he kept an eye on, even post-retirement, up, up, up until his death as well. And I was in communication with Peter just prior to uh, him dying. Um, so, yeah, he, he led it. It was very much based on a missing person inquiry. Um, we had this body here that we don't know who he is. We don't know where he's from. Um, it became quickly an international investigation um, as we couldn't find any record of having um, Fred being missing from our country. So, uh, yeah, it was very much around um, teeth, clothing, a limited clothing he was wearing and missing persons. This is obviously an extremely long running case. And obviously 
policing has changed a lot mm. in, in this time. You mentioned about the teeth and the clothing yeah. and obviously the DNA and the forensics around that. Obviously, 50 years ago, yeah. we were nowhere near in a place that, that we are now, are we? No, that's right. And um, if, if this was to happen in today's age, I think uh, it would be a very different outcome. Um, record keeping, for example, is much, much better in this day and age. Digitalization of records so we can access things across the uh, water, things locally, are much, much better. Um, one of the key uh, elements of, or oh, sorry, one of the most obvious elements of uh, Fred's identification is his teeth. He's had quite significant dental work uh, completed on his teeth. Um, now, as I said, in this day and age, we would use what's called odontology, which is forensic dentistry, um, to identify him from records. But of course, in 1971, you could have your teeth worked on in a pub and then there would be no records. Um, so... And that has been one inquiry that we've done all this work around the dentistry and there is just no record in this country of anybody having that work completed to the level that Fred's has been completed. So, yeah, so there, there are some challenges from it being uh, back in, in that day uh, compared to what would be available in this day and age to detect the crime. You've mentioned in a couple of your answers this country. There's no record in, in this country. Is Is this been something, this investigation that, that spanned other other countries international investigation yeah we we worked um with the uh, missing person bureau uh, with the national crime agency to attempt to look at records in other countries but again other countries have different standards about their dental records to keep missing persons records to keep but then we have made those links in with as much as we can other countries to see if there are matches to um uh, fred's report and to date there isn't um, and when we have had certain leads presented to us that could identify people. We've had connections with Wales, Ireland, some connections to Europe. We've been able to rule them out. Can you take me back to 2017 when you picked up the case? Um, can you just talk me through your initial thoughts on what you were presented with and, and how you have looked to find out who Fred is over the course of, of these last three, four years? Yeah, I, I get asked quite often, not only just by the general public, but people that I um, socialise with, is, is why are you looking at a case that goes back to 1971? Surely there are more pressing matters um, in this day and age, and quite right, there are. However, um, in Staffordshire, we will not let um, an unsolved murder go ignored, if you like, and it will be subject to periodical review. So when I first looked at this in 2017, I actually, my first thoughts was actually quite sad for a number of reasons. It's sad because we've not been able to identify who he is and then obviously notify his loved ones. But it's also worrying that there is somebody out there that is responsible for his death and we've never brought them to justice or uh, got them off the streets to our knowledge uh, without knowing who he is. So there was two drivers for me there. One that I wanted to identify him and get him, and get him at least back to his loved ones so they, they, they can, um, I'm not going to say the word closure, but be repatriated with where he went because somebody somewhere is missing him. Uh, but then also there was that drive of who was catching who was responsible for what on the face of it appears to be quite a heinous crime, you know, horrific crime and um, way that he died. Um, so what I was faced with was a box of material, we'll call it, an old box of material of photographs, old statements, old language that was used by pathologists and scientists that are, you know, are very different to today's language and you have to decipher what was meant by some of those things that were written in those reports. Um, and an overlay of what can we do in present day with science, what can we do in present day with um, facial reconstruction, with witnesses, to try and further the investigation to identify him and identify who was responsible. So um, 
Yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a mission, a bit of a task, but well worth it, I would say. And and I would always defend the actions that we are still investigating a murder that happened in 1971. No murder should ever left be left to go unsolved and, and just ignored. And you did manage to put together a facial reconstruction, didn't you? Yeah, so with the help of Caroline Wilkinson, um, Dr. Caroline Wilkinson, she actually completed an original uh, reconstruction of um, of what we believe Fred to be looked like using the data from his skull in 2010, I think it was originally. So one of the first things I wanted to do was to refresh that, knowing that her um, area of business and her uh, expertise had developed, the, the, the technology had moved on in, in the uh, digital imagery that they use and the efforts they use. So we did a refresh of that. The image went out in 2017 on Crime Watch and was publicised. Um, but to date, sadly, we haven't um, we haven't had anybody come forward to say that they know who he is. From this point on, as as we speak now, what do we actually know about Fred? Um, whether that's for certain, or or whether it's we're, we're almost certain that Fred was of this age, or you know when he when he died, what do we know? So we know for certain he was a man. We know for certain that he was in his late twenties. We know that he was um, likely to have a lighter or sandy-coloured hair. We know that he was um, likely to have some degree, I won't use the word deformity to his neck, but there was some um, difference in the way that he he might have held his head slightly uh, on one side. Um, so there was some either birth defect or injury there at some point. Um, we know that when he was discovered, he was wearing only socks that were mainstream socks that could be bought pretty much anywhere. And that um, the other distinctive thing is that he wore a thin gold ring on his right finger, wedding finger if it had been on your left, so it was the fourth finger if you like. Um, so they're the things we know for certain, uh, and that he was obviously a white Caucasian male. Is, is there anything that you can deduce from what you found about his potential lifestyle, or, or, is, or is that still kind of alien to, to you? It is fairly alien, and there has been lots of assumptions over the years about he might be a transient worker, he could be uh, a prisoner on the run, he could be uh, the victim of a serial killer. That there are lots of people who who are um, they've got theories and assumptions about who Fred is. But obviously, as the police, we work on facts. We will use theories sometimes to follow up to find those facts, but we work on facts. Um, the fact he's had dental work. Completed tends to suggest he's somebody who might have cared about his appearance, better man it's in the 70s. Um, so we can assume it's somebody who either, had, well, one, he will have had some money to be able to pay for the dental work, and two, care about his appearance. Um, the gold ring, what does that signify? Does that signify he has a partner? Is it just the fact it's, a, you know, it's, um, um, you know, he wants to portray an image around himself. It's just, it's just, it's just jewellery as people would wear. But again, has he got some degree of wealth? It's not a, a hugely valuable ring. It's mainstream again. Um, I don't know. We don't We don't know much more than that if we talk about facts, but there are lots of assumptions of it. But what is clear is he certainly wasn't a local man because he has never been reported to be missing from our local area. So if he was a local man, then somebody locally who's got a, a secret that they're keeping from us. You mentioned there that you sometimes use theories to, to reach facts. Yeah. How can these theories by members of the public work both in your favour in a case like this, but also detract from where you, you, you want to get to? Um, I've said to somebody locally recently, I will always listen to theories. Theories are helpful. Um, but as, as my role as a senior investigating officer, 
our job is to set hypotheses around what could have happened to people. And when we set that hypothesis, that will then dictate the, the lines of inquiry and actions that we take in terms of the investigation. Um, so I'll always listen to theories. Um, the danger of listening to some theories is that you can bark up the wrong tree and waste a hell of a lot of police time and resource over an idea. So there has to be some basis and um, substantial reason why I might follow a theory, of which we've done. Um, there are there are a number of theories about him. We've followed up the fact that he might have been a transient worker. We've followed up the fact that he um, might have been somebody who was on the run from prison. Uh, those kind of things anyway. So, um, but yeah, it, it, the crux of it, the facts of it are, you have got an unknown man who, on the face of it, has never been reported missing in this country lying buried, dead in, in our county in 1971. And are you able to tell how Fred Fred died? Yeah, that, that's a difficult question. Um, again, there is a theory um, from the pathologist in the, in the 70s about how he may have died, but due to the decomposition of the body, the length of time it had been in the ground, um, possibly the way it was extracted from the ground, it is difficult to commit to that at this time. But um, I, I do have an idea of how he died, um, but um, it, it's something that I'll on the fence with at the moment. That's fine. And, and why do you think that this particular case is turned in such, into such an enduring mystery? Why do you think that it has been so difficult to, to pinpoint what actually happened to Fred and, and who Fred is? I think the mystery is because um, to find a body buried anywhere in this country would be significant for any town, any community. Um, I think the fact he's never been identified is significant to uh, the public as a whole. We expect people to be identified. And if that happened today's age, I would expect that person to be identified within a matter of days if that was to happen now. Um, and then there's also the mystery about how has he got there? You know, who's done this? Who's running around uh, in our country or another that's responsible for his death? Um, the nature of how he was found, his hands and his ankles were bound with, um, with um, twine um, and he was naked. Why? What, how has he got there to be in that position? Um, there's lots and lots of questions around it. And I, d I think it does spark the imagination of a lot of people. And that's why I think this will always be a mystery that intrigues people. It's, it's also going to be something that's going to frustrate me because I, I obviously my job is a detective and I like to find the answers to issues and problems and, and, and mysteries. And, and this is just one of those mysteries that I think will always be something that's going to be difficult to solve and understand fully, especially given the amount of time now that, that it's been since Fred was found or killed. And um, and I do wonder how many people are left walking this planet that actually were a similar age to him. Um, because I think now the target people I'd be looking at that would have been peers of um, Fred are probably in the 70s, I should suggest. So um, I do worry that we're running out of time and think this may now be the very, very last resort and the last chance we get to get any kind of information that takes us forward. And I think this is uh, I think this is the last chance, really, for, for Fred. And I just hope that it isn't going to be Staffordshire's long-term mystery and, you know, the next Jack the Ripper for Staffordshire Police, you know. And is there that concern there that there is potentially a wider issue in, in Fred potentially isn't the only one or, or uh, how are you looking at it you, you mentioned there that you don't want this to turn out to be Staffordshire's Jack the Ripper mm. but is, is there the thought process going on in in, in your head and your in your team's head that this potentially could be a wider there is a wider issue around this or, or are you just confident that it is a, a, sing, a singular murder yeah I mean obviously you, you, you I can't sit here and guarantee that um, whoever is responsible for his death is responsible for only Fred's death however what I can absolutely guarantee is that there are no other 
unexplained deaths in this country that matched the circumstances of the way Fred died. Because obviously, if there was, we'd be looking those together as a joint uh, thing together. So, uh, fortunately, that is the case. So, um, it appears to be isolated in the face of it. That's what makes it a bigger mystery. Because if it is isolated, why? How did it happen? Um, what was the cause behind it? You know. So, no. Um, Definitely, I, I don't feel there is somebody running around there as a serial killer, stripping people off and burying them and tying them up uh, and all the rest of it. You know, again, that person, if they are responsible, if you assume the same age, would now be in the 70s in any case. But it doesn't detract from the fact that that person should be brought to justice. And, and um, that is a big frustration for me. You mentioned in your last answer that this could represent the last chance of, of finding out about Fred and, and who, he, who he is and what actually happened to him. But do you, in your heart of hearts, believe you can still find out who, who he is? And what do people need to know about him or the circumstances that so that they can go, ah, I, I might be able to help? There's one thing um, I learned when I came into murder investigation in 2015. Um, and that's it's never to give up, even when you're faced with the most difficult investigation that you don't think there's any obvious evidence and you're ever going to get there. You never give up because something always can change within people's lives out there or some information will come in or you know or some evidence will change so i do hold hope even for this and there'll be people sitting there saying you've got no chance i do hold hope that somebody maybe or you know in the last days of their life and, and want to tell us something that they know and they've got a closely guarded secret that they don't want to take to the grave with them i don't know i hold hope i'm optimistic i will always be optimistic with every case um what was the second part of that question tom on that actually the second part was, what do people yeah. need to know to be able to help you? Yeah, so um, so what do I need from people to help me further this investigation? Is quite simply, um, if you have a name, if you think Fred is, then give me the name. Because if I can get a name, then I can identify him through scientific means. But a, a name, and a name, if I can identify him, um, will open up the whole investigation to them finding out who's responsible. Because the biggest um, obstruction to solving this mystery is the fact I can't identify him. If I can identify him, highly likely I can identify who's responsible for killing him. And just quickly on that point, how how long do you think Fred was, was buried for before you found him? Because obviously to be in mm. the state that he was found in by yeah. the time, he, he must have been in there for some time. Yeah. The, the only thing uh, I can go on is the pathologist's opinion at the time. Something they probably wouldn't give in this day and age wouldn't under current sciences with for cautionary reasons, but um, the pathologists at the time believed that Fred had been buried for nine to 12 months prior to finding. Um, so that's the only information I've got to go on. Okay. And obviously you mentioned earlier about the fact there was a, there's a lot of interest in, in this case, yeah. you know, a body mm. being found anywhere is, is big for any community. But how has this death, this finding impacted the, the local community ar around where, where he was found? I personally think it's tainted the area. Um, I think... There's a lot of interest and there's a number of authors who are writing about it. So there's there's interest and excitement about it. Um, but if you were to ever go and stand on the side of the old Flint Mill, you know, there's lots of angling there. There's a beautiful river. There's some beautiful houses along the riverside. I think it's a taint on the area. The fact that people will always point out and say, well, that's where that, that chap was murdered and buried all those years ago. So um, I do think it has an impact on the community. I can't see how it can be a positive impact on the community at all. Um it will just remain a talking point and uh, a mystery unless we can solve it. But um, it, it's sad because 
the area where he's found is very picture- picturesque and, and rural. And it's it's sad to think that it'll always be tainted with this mystery for time going forward. And finally, I know over the course of these last 50 years, there's been a lot of police activity, a lot of police appeals around yeah. this case. If by some chance someone involved in it or someone who potentially knew Fred has missed all those and happens to be listening to this podcast, what would you say to them? What message would you want to put across to them, whether they are responsible for for the death of Fred or whether they're a family member of, of Fred? Come forward and, and 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 don't take it to the grave with you. It's what I'd say. I mean, it's a different message, isn't it, to whether it's the family or whether it's to uh, uh, whoever's responsible. Ultimately, if it's whoever's responsible, come forward and don't take it to your grave and, and come and talk to us. Um, and, but if it's the family, likewise, then definitely come forward. Uh, you know, I've repatriated um, Fred's body now um, with, with the, some of the samples that we still had in our possession that we were subject to testing. Um, he is buried locally, um, and I, and I can obviously. Um, in fact, I would love nothing more to be able to repatriate him to his family and loved ones, so that he's not sitting in an unmarked grave anymore. Um, but yeah, ultimately, come forward. If you know anything, come forward, and we will absolutely follow up and do our best to uh, solve this mystery. Brilliant. Well, that's all we have time for today. So thank you, Dan, for joining me. No, thank you. And to you guys for listening. If you have any information as to what may have happened to Fred, then you should contact us via Facebook or Twitter and leave details for DCI Dan Ison. Alternatively, you can call Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800 555 Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Beat Podcast produced by Staffordshire Police. To learn more about the topics discussed in the podcast, including sources of help and support, please visit the Staffordshire Police website.